Good morning, good friends of Alton Baptist. I am so proud, pleased and privileged to be addressing you today. Apologies that it's not in person. I've got a family engagement. My godson is 18 today. And uh, as you hear this, I'll be uh, heading with Jenny to a celebration, family celebration, which I obviously can't miss. But I got asked to preach this and I looked at the passage and I thought, oh, wow, there's a real message in here for us. And I want to be the one to deliver it. So I'm really excited to be able to do this, even though oh, I'm going to miss you. And I, I long to be with you and, and to, uh, you know, spend more time with you folks. So hopefully soon. But meantime, Acts chapter one, thank you for the opportunity. Hopefully you've just had Acts chapter one brilliantly read for you, the entirety of it. And, um, and uh, you know, I've got a bit of a reputation, haven't I, of... Uh, these long Bible passages. I remember one of the previous times I preached, Annette read half of Genesis, um, but I really feel it's important to dive deeply into God's word and get the full context and the full message. Because if we take little chunks here and there, the danger is we lose something. And, and certainly in this passage, the more I read through the whole of Acts chapter one, the more I thought, wow, there's, there's, there's such a rich message in the whole thing. And I hope that comes through this morning in what I've got to share. I hope it's already come through. That uh, Hopefully, you know, the word has already spoken and I'm just, just adding my little bit to it. But thank you. Thank you for the privilege. Let me just pray before we begin. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that I'll be faithful to the task and I pray that um, the ears of, of my wonderful listeners here will be receptive to what you are saying to all of us in all of our circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so why did I want to speak so much about this passage even though I couldn't be with you? It's, it's because one, it's, you know, it's a significant message, as I say, for both our situations. We've been you know, watching and praying with you over the past few months in what's been a, quite a challenging time for you and you know you've been in our prayers. And um, I think this passage has got something to speak into that situation, also into our situation and the challenges we face down here in Westbourne and uh, what God wants to do through us in, in quite a challenging circumstance here. And thank you for all your prayers and encouragements and generosity for what we're doing. But we're also looking forward to change, aren't we? We're looking forward to what God can do for us. And, and the passage speaks so much of that. And I know you eagerly desire to, to have a new minister come to you. And I'm sure this passage has got something to say about that. But finally, we all need ongoing guidance, don't we? Wherever we are with our work situations, with our family, with our home, everything about our lives, we need the guidance of God and his Holy Spirit for everything that we do. So again, let's let's learn some lessons from this passage. Okay, Acts chapter one. Thank you again for reading that through. And uh, I think it's a game of two halves, Acts chapter one, for me as I was reading it through. I think there's, there's a one lesson, verses one to 14, and then there's a, a whole separate lesson, 15 to the end. And maybe this should be two sermons, but I've only got one chance. So stick with me, folks, as we dash through this in 20 minutes. Okay, I want to dive straight in. I mean, the beginning is wow moment, isn't it? It's like, you know, Jesus has, it, has 
returned and the disciples just must be just overwhelmed they'd been on this roller coaster emotional ride where you know they thought all was lost and their master was was dead suddenly he's alive again and they've got this 40 days with him that they never never could have envisaged and that, and i'm sure they don't want it to end do they you know i'm sure you know those words those words that jesus said to mary in the garden on resurrection day don't hold on to me i'm sure they they're, they're wishing somehow they don't apply and, and please jesus just stay and lead us but no you know jesus is laying a foundation here and, and within a few verses he's gone but in this in these first few verses particularly you know verse four I, I see echoes of of things that jesus has said before and i think that's an important lesson here that jesus jesus is saying to them you know everything that happened before the crucifixion isn't negated by what, what i'm saying now it all still applies and you know i i thought instantly back to um john chapter 14 which is such a lovely chapter and so important to me in my life and and the, there's many echoes here from that and Jesus is saying those things still apply what what was Jesus saying in John chapter 14 he was saying I, I'm going to be leaving folks I'm, I'm preparing you I'm going to have to suffer and die I, I'm I'm going but my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible I will not leave you as orphans you know I'm going to send my Holy Spirit with a capital S to be with you always and he's, he's, he's re-emphasizing that here, isn't he? But in the middle of John chapter 14, verse um, 18, isn't it? I think, if you keep my commands, Jesus says to them, keep my commands. And he's, he's, he's reinforcing that here, you know. Well, Luke says it, he, he gave them this command. And, you know, I, I think that's a significant word for us today as we go through. Do not, what was the command? Do not leave Jerusalem but wait second really significant word for us wait be patient okay for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit okay they, they had no idea no probably a really fuzzy concept of what what all this was going to look like you know be baptized in the holy spirit what that's what's that about but the significant thing is jesus is saying is trust me Wait, obey my commands, and I will send the power. Trust me. Now that was that's always a hard lesson to learn. That was a hard lesson. For, that's a hard lesson for us, isn't it? But part of His gift is the waiting, you know. And, and over and over again through through Jesus' teachings. You know, he he often used metaphors that, that, that emphasize this, didn't he? Like the sowing of seeds and the searching for lost things. You know, th it doesn't come easy, does it? That's what faith is all about, folks. You know, the gift of God doesn't come easy. It requires obedience and faith and patience. And Peter learns that eventually, you know, we get to um, passages like uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, you know, way 10, 20 years down the line, Peter is writing, dear friends, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. You know, that, Peter's got it by the time he starts writing his, his letters to the church, but it was a lesson hard learned as we're going to uh, go on to look at. 
Now, of course, these aren't the only recorded words of Jesus sort of post-resurrection and pre-ascension, are they? Jesus spent that 40 days that, that Luke talks about here, you know, getting them ready, reorienting them for the new ministry. Um, and you could be forgiven for, for thinking there's contradictions here and, and that, you know, one of the most famous things that Jesus says in this period of time is obviously recorded in Matthew chapter 28. You know, and we know that as the Great Commission, don't we? Go into all the world and make disciples. Go, go, go. Now, is that a contradiction to what, what Jesus is saying in, in, in to, to, through Luke in Acts? Well, I think Luke has already kind of um, uh, done a bit of work in, in um, reconciling these two things. Because back in Luke 24, now, of course, Luke and Acts are are a pair of books written by the same person, and and you know ideally they would flow, and John wouldn't be between them perhaps. So in Luke twenty four, right at the end of Luke, um, Jesus said to them previously, "You will be my witnesses. Yes, you will be my witnesses. You will go into all the world and preach the gospel. But for now, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high." Another lovely sort of picture phrase you clothed with power from on high again you know it's obviously referring to this being filled baptized with the holy spirit so both of these things apply but we need to get them in the right order folks don't go off on a tangent don't go off thinking you know this is a good thing to do let's go and do it without waiting and being patient that you know until you know we do receive the go from god now there was another example which is going to be significant later as we as we focus in on Peter um, in at the end of John's gospel after the resurrection Jesus and John have Jesus and Peter have this encounter don't they where you know uh, Jesus is reinstating Peter and 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 you know in a in a very interesting way he is saying to Peter you know the three the three times denial of me that you that you made during the the crucifixion narrative the three times that you denied me that's in the past and three times he asked peter do you love me you know this well don't you and peter's reply sorry jesus's reply well, peter's reply is yes of course you know i love you lord and and jesus replies feed my lambs and they go through this three times each time jesus gives peter a very specific instruction feed my lambs what does that mean it means be a shepherd look after the ones that i've given you to look after take care of them don't go off on a tangent don't go off running to to change the world just yet feed my lambs so peter's got a very specific instruction here so long term Let's just recap that. Long term, we're going to take this message to the world. We've got new things to do, new places to go. We are going to change the world. But short term, let's just do the groundwork. Let's set the foundations. Let's make sure we're in a good place with God and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're empowered to do that. Okay, folks? That's it. And they seem to have got it. As we go through this, we get to verse 14. You think, yes, they understand. Because... 
Verse 14, that's really significant. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. All of them equal, not just the men, not just the disciples, all of them joined together, recognizing that each one of them was equally important. And what did they do? They prayed. They committed themselves to one another and to God in prayer. Folks, if you want to see great things happen, come together in prayer. That's what this is saying. Come together in prayer. Let's see, let's see what God's got to say to us as, as a community. Come together in prayer, folks. So wait. Keep his commands. Pray. So we could end it there, couldn't we? Great, brilliant. Okay, but I just want to go on this passage with this passage because I think there's a lesson here in what not to do and the dangers of going off on a tangent because then Peter comes to the fore as I say verse 15 onwards Peter comes in and Peter he can't help himself can he he's got this personality he's a doer we've got to do something rather than nothing he's always you know following Peter around isn't it and I could give you so many examples of that, you know, in, in the Gospels, can't I? We think of Gethsemane and, you know, the, the people come to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? I've got to do something rather than nothing. Next thing you know, this poor bloke's had his ear cut off. Or the transfiguration. You know, Jesus has, has chosen his, um, his inner, you know, group of disciples to have this amazing experience on, on a mountain of... of a vision of, of Moses and Elijah and Peter is just wow how can I make this thing even better you think sorry Peter you know that's not your job just be just wait just watch and learn but no Peter's like let's pick tents let's make a camp up here let's you know I'll light a fire I think I've got some marshmallows in my back yeah. come on Peter you know and again Another example, Caesarea Philippi, that famous example where at the end Jesus has to slap Peter down and say, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You know, because Peter is, is, is Jesus is, is giving them the bad news. He's starting to give them the bad news that, that he's going to have to die to, to, to bring the kingdom. And Peter says, not on my watch. That's never going to happen. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of Peter... You know, and Jesus has chosen him for a reason because he is this enthusiast. But but I've got a situation here in Acts that shows that he's still an imperfect person because you, you might completely disagree with me. But I think what happens now is a complete distraction, completely unnecessary. You know, Peter comes. What should we do? Well, let's do something rather than nothing. Let's have an election because uh, we all know from, you know, previous experience how you know how good it is to have elections and they're not the least bit divisive are they so we need to replace Judas I've been reading in the Psalms the, you know the, there's some verses of you know um, and I, I think you know uh, it's better to have 11 rather than 12 it's a bit of an odd number um, you know let's have an election and replace Judas because he was a bad dude and I'd rather you know let's face it he was an embarrassment Let's pretend that that, that, that um, Judas didn't happen. Let's replace him. We'll have an election. Put, you know, put a couple of people up and we'll vote. I, you know, I, it, it, 
first of all, it needs to be acknowledged. Did Jesus ask him to do this? Well, I, I can't see that. There's no, there's nothing in there. So why is he doing it? Well, yeah, he's had this sort of, you know, this this uh, inspiration from the Psalms, he thinks. But actually, you look at those Psalms, and that is David asking God to smite his enemies. Now, it's a bit late to smite Judas, isn't it? He's already dead. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that, that, that Jesus would have said that, that Judas is my enemy. You know, Jesus chose Judas to be one of the 12, and he doesn't make mistakes, folks. You know? And... You know, I'm I'm in sympathy with many of those who think that, that Judas was just, in many ways, being like Peter. That's the irony of this, isn't it? That Judas was just trying to force Jesus' hand. You know, Judas was, was like many of the other disciples. And he was doing something that, that's actually echoed in this passage. Do you remember it was read back in verses 6, 7 and 8? Then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And that was a, you know, and Jesus slaps them down, doesn't he? He says, it's not for you to know the times and dates when things are going to happen. You know, what, what is this whole thing about restoring the kingdom of Israel? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's about making 11, 12, because the 12 disciples were perceived to be the 12 tribes of Israel. That You know, that um, and Jesus actually... Um, Jesus actually back in um in Matthew chapter 19 he says to um to, to the disciples that one day you're going to sit on 12 thrones and you're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel you know and what Jesus is saying there is is this is a bigger plan this is even bigger than than Abraham could have imagined that, that you know the whole world this plan involves the whole world it doesn't just involve Israel and of course we know that with hindsight now um but, you know, maybe Peter's got that in the back of his mind. Oh, we need 12 disciples because at some point we're going to be judging the 12 tribes. And, and that's not really what Jesus was saying. So, so you know, hmm, Peter, what are you doing? You, you know, uh, you, you have this election. And, and folks, you know, you, you may think I'm being I, I'm, I'm wrong here. But actually, for the proof of this for me is that, you know, Matthias... I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely bloke, and don't get me wrong, and I'm sure he did loads for God, but do, do we hear about any of that? You know, it, it, uh, spoiler alert, folks, you're going to go through the acts of the of the apostles, you know, in this series. Are you going to hear about Matthias again? Are they, are they the acts of Matthias? No, we never hear about him again. And, you know, that, I mean, that irks some people. That irks people it, it, that's down through the history of the church, and... You know, as as often happens, they people have tried to make a backstory for Matthias. Um, the 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 the, the um, most humorous one for me is that you know the, 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 all 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 these characters are, are given patronages, aren't they? The pa their patron saint of this and that, and Matthias, patron saint of alcoholics. Now, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. That was a bit of a poison chalice for him, wasn't it? It was a bit of a short straw. You know, poor old Matthias, you know, it's, it, not only is he the, the, you know, the invisible man for the for the rest of the Bible, he, he's, he's saddled with being the patron saint of alcoholics. Um, but, you know, folks, God, the irony in all this is that God 
did have a replacement, didn't he? And again, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, it's going to take a little bit of time, but God did have a person in mind to replace to replace Judas, didn't he? And he is the last person that the 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 disciples would have envisaged. He's he is the um He's the enemy at the moment, isn't he? Saul of Tarsus is there persecuting the church. But he's the one that God has in mind. And if maybe if the disciples had watched and, and prayed and waited and been patient, actually, you know, they would have they would have got God's vision for, for, for Judas's replacement. But instead of that, they have this election. They elect Matthias. And then he disappears from history again. I mean, folks, maybe there's some lessons here for us. You're looking for someone. And I'm not saying don't look for them. I'm saying we need to be careful the way we look for people. I'm looking for people to help me with the work down here in Westbourne. And we need to be careful. We need to be, you know, be in tune with God in, in the way we, we, um, we recruit. And we need to maybe think outside the box or outside the shortlist, because, you know, they had a shortlist of two. And folks, history teaches us that the right two weren't on it. The right person wasn't on that shortlist, were they? You know, Paul was the man to lead the church forward, the person to lead the church forward. I'm not saying it won't be a woman in future, but, you know, he wasn't on that shortlist. So this election was just a, a diversion, a waste of time. and. And we need to make sure we've got the right people on our shortlist as well, don't we? So, you know, I think, you know, lessons for us in our deliberations. Let's wait. Let's pray together. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the right person to us. Because it may need some thinking outside the box. Okay, I, I want to get back to the good stuff. Because I, I think that's an important lesson for us. But the core message here is those first 14 verses. You know, okay, yeah, one message, one really important lesson. Don't try to force God's hand. That's what Judas did. That's what Peter did here. That's what Abraham did. There's a, there's a history of this in the Bible of great people trying to force God's hand. Abraham and Sarah trying to force God's hand into giving them this son that they've been promised with Hagar, you know, as a, as a surrogate mum. Over and over again, it happens. But we need to wait and be patient. God knows what he's doing, folks. Don't try and force his hand. Secondly, keep God's commands as you wait. Be patient. Don't be tempted to do something rather than nothing like, like Peter did. God will come through for, for each of us in our circumstances, whether that be our church, our personal circumstances, uh, the ministries that we do outside of the church. But, you know, <clears throat> I want to finish by encouraging you with verse 14 again. Wait, come together, pray together, folks. You know, the best way to discern God is to spend time listening for him. And that's not easy. I, I understand that. But the more you pray together, the more you will know God's heart for you as a community. And that's my prayer for you today, you know, and, and my ongoing prayer for you is that you will know God's heart and the right person to lead you forward will be revealed. So God bless you. Please allow me to pray for you now to finish. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your 
goodness to Alton and to Alton Baptist. I've known that in my life for so many years. You have blessed me through Alton. And Jenny will say the same thing. Lord, right now, they need your inspiration. They need your strength and, and the help to come together as a united community to go forward. I pray they would, they would wait patiently in faith for you to reveal the right person to you. And I pray that they will not be not afraid to think outside the box, to look outside the shortlist for your person, for your choice. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray for the blessing on the rest of this service. I thank you for all those that have been involved today. They are a real blessing to you and I pray that they will feel that in their hearts. And Lord, we pray all this in your precious name, by the power of your Holy Spirit that fills each one of us. Amen. Thank you so much, folks. Have a great service. God bless you.